When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast coming to you live from Studio A of our CHGO offices in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him at Vinny Duber, and you can read his latest uh, piece at allchgo.com discussing Dylan Cease, which is our main topic today. Uh, Vinny was uh, spurred by a Jason Williams, not that Jason Williams, uh, report in the Cincinnati Inquirer. But which one are you referring to when you say not that, when you say that Jason Williams? Are you referring to Sacramento Kings, Jason Williams, or New Jersey Nets, Jason Williams, from back in the day? Who is the net Jason Williams? I think he's power forward, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I always think, yeah, Grizzly King. Yeah, uh, that one. Yeah. Jason Williams. Yeah. Uh, I believe White Chocolate. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, Jason Williams of the Cincinnati Inquirer was chatting with Gordon Wittenmeyer, uh, and he gave out the package deal that reportedly the White Sox wanted uh, for Dylan Cease. We'll get into that, but you could read Vinny's article up at All CHGO. Uh, you can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Happy holidays, even to the person who uh, gave us the dislike, uh, whether that's Kwanzaa or Boxing Day. Uh, Michael Soroka, happy Boxing Day. Uh, we're being produced by Sarah today. Hi. Hello. Um, and uh, yeah, we're excited to be here. So uh, let us know your thoughts if you got any about Dylan Cease. We'll also be opening up the CHGO Die Hard mailbag. Um, obviously, the holidays have passed, but you can still get yourself uh, a Die Hard membership. Uh, you get that nice box when you join. There's a membership card. You get a free t-shirt of your choice, and you get to join the Discord. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But Vinny, you wrote about the deal that the White Sox reportedly wanted, and you think it's a steep price. Well, I mean, here's here's what came to mind is that, listen, it's uh, unfortunate for White Sox fans and certainly the White Sox that we're talking about, you know, some more trades to boost a rebuilding effort, whatever you want to call it. Uh, not very long after that happened several years ago when mm-hmm. Rick Hahn uh, traded Chris Sale, traded Adam Eaton, traded Jose Quintana and got those packages that really set the set the table for what the White Sox were supposed to end up being and at the time those were viewed as really really good return packages in all three of those trades uh and you go back and you look at Chris Sale who was at the time one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball he had already established himself as one of the best pitchers in White Sox history um you know uh, two years later with with Boston he'd win a World Series This is a guy who had three years of control left at the time, was among the elite of elite uh, in in pitchers in baseball, started the All-Star game that very year, I believe, uh, out in San Diego. And he gets Yohan Moncada, Michael Kopech, as well as a couple others, but but those were the two headliners. Great, highly rated prospects. It It was celebrated among people watching or people paying attention to the White Sox as a great return package. And I think now the way people are thinking about what Chris Getz should try to get for Dylan Cease, it seems like maybe that kind of return package would be underwhelming to a lot of folks. And so you get the report, uh, as you mentioned, from the Cincinnati Inquirer about what Chris Getz might have been asking for from 
in this case, the Cincinnati Reds, and you're here and you're seeing three top 100 prospects plus another guy plus maybe another guy. Uh, it, it sounds like a very big ask. Not that Chris Getz shouldn't be making that big of an ask with 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 uh, uh, an asset like Cease. We've talked about how valuable he is with the two years left of control, with how durable he's been, the strikeout numbers. Guy just last year finished second in the Cy Young. We can say that for a few more days before it turns to 2024. But uh, <laughs> y- you look at that and you go, wow, that would be an eye-popping, over-the-moon kind of return. If that's where you want to start with asking, go right ahead if you're Chris Getz. But is that realistic to get that kind of thing? It wouldn't seem to me to be the most realistic end point. Can start, it can be a starting point, absolutely. Doesn't seem like that would be the most realistic end point just based on Again, going back to 2016 and looking at what Chris Sale commanded and what some of those other guys who were all-star level players commanded in those trades with the White Sox. One more thing, and I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more. You you, you heard you saw Bob Nightingale in, in USA Today report a little while ago how the the White Sox were interested in the guy who went to uh, Tampa in the in the Glass now trade. Tyler Pepio, Gl- yeah, Tyler, Tyler Glass now only goes to the Dodgers because they can sign him to an, a new contract, get five years of control on him. Was that too much of an ask for the Dodgers when it came to the White Sox, when it came to Dylan Cease? We don't know. That hasn't been reported. But, you know, if that's the guy that the, that the that White Sox were looking at in a potential trade with the Dodgers, it, but, but the Dodgers choose to trade him to somebody with – you know, glass now who they've got to then pay a whole ton of money right. to get. So it's just interesting piecing this together, obviously with no transaction with the slow number of pitching moves in general that have been made over the last month or so, you know, these are the things that we've got to drill down on, but it's, it's interesting to see what the asking price might've been at least to start with and compare it to some things that have actually happened. Yeah. I think it just shows Dylan's value because it's Pepeo plus obviously Johnny DeLuco was a part of it, but the Dodgers, obviously they can, take on all the cash in the world and we've discussed this before the show uh the rays don't really like to spend money um with zach efflin being their highest uh free agent uh, signing ever uh just this past year but um them being able to take on margot waters down the return that they have to give so it's just pepio and deluca who i think is a glove first outfielder and they already have outman who seems like a young up-and-coming bat and glove you know corner outfielder um when you already have Mookie Betts so I mean they're dealing from positions I think of strength and if it was Pepe L plus which it seems like according to this Jason Williams report uh for Cease I understand why you know the Dodgers kind of went away from it even though they only have you know two years of control with Cease and didn't have to sign him to an extension like Glass now um but yeah I mean I don't think it's too steep. I think it just shows Dylan's value, right? I well, mean, in the eyes of the White Sox, though, that's the thing. That deal wasn't made, I guess is my point. Like, I, everybody look, can look around and, and know what Dylan Cease's value is. The question is, as you said, you have said earlier this offseason, and I know you've, you've gone back and forth on it a couple times, but the idea that trading him now is, is maximizing that value, right? Because it... it or now or at the trade deadline yeah. would maximize that value because of the amount of control that you, that they have left on him. If, if the maximum value is less than that, are, are, is it going to accomplish what the White Sox needed to accomplish? Rick Hahn was able to trade three guys for what looked like a 
bulk of a roster, a future roster, right? Uh, obviously, it didn't play out the way anybody thought it would. But They're still here, too. Yeah, a lot of them are. But uh, now we're looking at moving forward. You want to put some cornerstones on this thing because there's not many in the in the farm system right now for the White Sox. What can they get for Dylan Cease remains a big question. And if Chris Getz is just going to sit on Dylan Cease unless he gets the offer that he wants, how realistic is it that that offer is going to actually come along? Yeah, I and I, I think – if we want to look, uh, Arroyo is a part of the reported package uh, from Jason Williams. Uh, Rhett Lauder was a part of the reported package uh, that the White Sox reportedly again wanted from the uh, Cincinnati Reds. Uh, so Rhett Lauder, starting pitcher from Vanderbilt, uh, number 41 per MLB.com's rankings. Edwin Arroyo, Arroyo, Arroyo uh, the number 57th prospect according to MLB.com, uh, and pitcher Connor Phillips, uh, number 68 on MLB.com's listing, plus one other prospect. Uh, Joey Donuts even brings up Jonathan India has been a name. Uh, I know the Reds seemingly want to move away from Kind of the India. odd man out there, yeah. Right, so uh, I don't know if that would be a piece that they include, but Arroyo wasn't drafted by the Cincinnati Reds. Who was he drafted by? This is a quiz. Yeah, so now I have to think of quiz. the trades that the that yeah. the Reds have made in recent years. Yeah. The Twins, let's say. No, that was a trade the Reds made for whom? Sonny Gray. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, think West. Dodgers. A little more north. Giants. Too far north. More north. Oh, Mariners. Yeah, there, there we go. go. All the way north. You got a player? Uh, for the Reds, uh, uh, Suarez. No. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then Castillo. Castillo. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so Luis Castillo, um, kind of in a similar spot. He was had five years uh, played for the Reds before he was traded. So I'm assuming, right? Then he had one more year of control when dealt. That's usually how it works. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they ended up signing an extension in September with Castillo. Arroyo was already a part of this package. They the main piece was Noel V Marte, uh, who was I think at the number top, like top twenty five. Uh, He's prospect. currently the Reds' top prospect, yeah. right? Uh, and and he was like twenty five at the time that he was dealt um, from Seattle. So, I mean, I think Cease is better than what Castillo was at the time that Castillo was traded, and they waited until the trade deadline. Like I. I he was younger. Uh, Castillo was 29. Um, he had two all-star appearances, which apparently matter to uh, Jason Williams, who said he'd take uh, all-star workhorse Framber Valdez over uh, Dylan Cease. But well, we know they particularly don't matter to you. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know, they don't matter. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, Castillo, the four years before he was traded, a 364 ERA, um, and similar to Cease, was a, a, a workhorse in a way. Um, but... I don't. I don't know. I, I think. I think it's interesting just because we even see the sale and Quintana trades. Sale was an offseason trade. Quintana was a trade deadline trade. It's all about just getting the right price. So even though you might think it's steep, if we were here doing an emergency podcast, if Herb would allow us to call it that, um, Herb's not here. We can call whatever we want. Right. Uh, <laughs> and we were saying the package was Dylan Cease and the White Sox acquired. You know, Rhett Louder, Arroyo. Uh, Connor Phillips. Oh, listen. Plus, that would be wonderful be for the. Yeah, right. Would be seemingly wonderful for the White Sox. It's just the and and if that's what Chris Getz is zeroing in on, that's what he should be zeroing in on because he is trying to really give them a long term boost. He's really trying to make the future look bright. Basically, he's trying to do what Rick Hahn did with those trades, but he's only got 
really one guy to trade mm-hmm. because Robert, with the four years of control, is a long-term piece. He's, he's already got him there, right? And so it, it really is maybe trying to make the big the one big swing because you've only got one swing in you because there's only one player there that is going to get that at least the way things stand right now. They spent the entire trade deadline or excuse me, the entire winter meetings telling us how they they don't have any urgency to trade cease, how they don't think they even need to trade cease, mm-hmm. and we've talked about why that is true if 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 that's right. if that's the case. Um but here we also heard they were going to wait out some of these big free agent decisions and they've come very slowly. But they are starting to come. Otani's off the board. Yamamoto's off the board. Glass now got traded. Guess what? They all happen to go to the same team. But <laughs> Blake Snell is still out there. Jordan Montgomery's still out there. We don't know what's going to happen with Bieber or, or, or Corbin Burns. Um, there are other pitchers out there. And if the White Sox want to sit and be the, the last per team standing and have all the teams come to sit in the one musical chair to talk to them, then so be it. But, um, you know, it, there's a reason maybe that this hasn't happened even though we've heard, seen all this smoke, there hasn't been a fire necessarily in, in a, a deal actually getting done. Right, and two, there are two other options. I know Bieber doesn't throw as hard as he used to, um, likely because of spider tech, um, and Corbin Burns is better than Dylan C, so it might be harder to acquire him. Like it, it, They aren't really in the driver's seat, I guess, because... You know, teams could fall off if they decide to maybe jump on a different pitcher, right? They, are, they aren't the only team with a possible ace to deal. Correct, but they're the only one who has one with two years left. And I okay. think that's what we've been talking about this whole time. Now, of course, you go and see what happened with Glass now, and it's a big it's a big trade and a big piece acquired by the Dodgers, and then it's even more, right? The, the Dodgers basically acquired... They traded, they traded money and, and uh, two players for five years of Tyler Glass now, which that likely isn't going to be on the table for Dylan Cease just because of the history of what Scott Boris clients usually end up going to free agency when, when they can, uh, as they should and have earned the right to do. Um, but there are teams out there, and, and, and listen, we saw Bob Nightingale say that the Orioles and the Braves are the favorites right now to acquire Dylan Cease, but look at all the teams that just didn't get Yamamoto, right? The Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox, the Giants, the Blue Jays, that's five teams all wanted Yamamoto. Cubs? They were reportedly interested too. I mean, they haven't, gotten, they haven't signed anybody. Yeah, but they. I mean, there you go. There's all these teams that were talking to a guy who's never thrown a major league pitch before. Here's Dylan Cease, who's thrown a whole heck of a lot of them, and and with pretty good success in in most of those seasons. So that's a whole bunch of teams. Then you get the then you throw in there the teams that we've heard previously mentioned: the Orioles, the Braves, the Reds, who we talked about. The Cardinals are probably not quite as interested after making some signings. Um, but would you count out the Dodgers? I mean, could you possibly count out the Dodgers with what they've done this year? You're talking about them just trading players they for a guy who makes eight mil, who is going to make eight million dollars in arbitration. Like the relative affordability of that to to them, you would think would be peanuts. It's ridiculous to call eight million dollars peanuts, but yeah. when you're spending a billion dollars on three players, you know what I mean? Like, and they've got bets, and they've got Freeman. Like, they're loading up. They're they're trying to buy that World Series and you wouldn't really have to spend much more to get Dylan C on your team. You wouldn't have to really spend any much more money with the, just, you know, the 8 million this year, the probably what 15 or 12 after that. But mm-hmm. 
in terms of just sending four or five prospects the White Sox way and all of a sudden Dylan Cease is your third or fourth starter in 2025? Like, think about how ridiculous that is. Well, (laughs) no, I mean, even to, I think there's logic to it because Walker Buehler is going to be a free agent after this year. And Otani will likely, if he recovers, slide back in 25. Yeah, we'll be able to be a part of that rotation. So, you know, Walker Buehler leaves and, oh, you just replace him with Shohei Otani. I mean, (laughs) Otani... 2025 let's let's you know fictitiously put dylan cease on the dodgers right okay 2024 their 2025 picture. their top four in the rotation is otani yamamoto cease and glass now it's all right yeah it's all right it is yeah. okay and then and then probably you know they'll somehow acquire garrett cole uh through all of this or something like i mean they got to be like truly and I mean, evil right and then like, our, they're also like famous for just calling up like eight guys a year who are just really good yeah, so right. like there's all that too like so i wouldn't count the dodgers out to be quite honest with you but i'm you know i'm sure they've got other areas that they're looking at uh, of their roster but uh, i mean i just I, I just listed half the teams in baseball basically as as teams that you could think about as potential cease suitors um obviously that landscape can change if blake snell gets signed if you know if montgomery gets signed if uh, Bieber gets traded so you know all that thing could have an impact I it, it really does look like the White Sox would be waiting just waiting to for the music to stop and say all right who wants Dylan Cease this is our price meet it or you don't get him yeah uh and Bobby something called a Bobby Miller will probably just be like their fifth starting pitcher right just like a generic creative player because they've ran out of money um yeah I I th- one thing I was just trying to figure out did Jerry Reinsdorf kind of call this out offseason he said, "We're not going to spend. Uh, we're not going to sign any pitchers to a ten-year deal." Um, and I, I was like, "Where is he getting this from? No one's ever signed a ten-year deal." Garrett Cole signed a nine-year uh, deal, but that was like the closest thing, I guess. When free agency was created, the Guardians had like a ten-year deal that was worth like ten million for some guy. Um, but what was the quote that he had? Was it? Uh, yeah, he, yeah. He said, "Yeah." Was it just ten years, or he, did he, he say, said, "I think he"? Oh, we won't. We won't be in the race for Otani, right? He was being. I believe he was being. Uh, <laughs> hyperbolic but he said but he, he, you're not going to sign a pitcher to a 10-year deal and like you said the reaction is oh haha pitcher to a 10-year deal yeah. and now there's been two yeah. right <laughs> wait who's the other one otani oh right yeah. he's a pitcher yeah yeah okay <laughs> forgot um yeah and there's a 12-year deal too which is just insane um all right yeah i, I mean I don't know how much the the Reds are an actual threat to get Dylan or not. And, hey, we can even include Framber Valdez. I don't know if they're actually going to trade him, but apparently Jason Williams yeah, thinks that the Astros might be. Um, I don't I, I don't know. I, I think that right now I'm convinced that Dylan sees the right idea is to hold him till the trade deadline and try to maximize the return. But also, why is this being reported? You know, it's. I think I find it very odd that it's being report it. It's it, kind of very rare you ever see a package like this being like, this is what the White Sox wanted. No? Like, I feel like I'm being a little, like, it's good reporting, obviously. Um, but, like, is it weird to kind of balk at it? Like, it kind of seems like maybe someone wants this information out. Well, remember, too, like, we heard during the winter meetings, uh, Bruce Levine reported two, two pitchers, two of not those exact same two pitching prospects, but one of them and then another pitching prospect who I think is currently ranked as like the sixth best Reds prospect or something like that um, as being two players that the White Sox were focusing in on in in talking to the Reds. So, I mean, this kind of stuff happens, you know, all the time. I think maybe that's the... Uh, the 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 state of this off season. Maybe you're, you've gotten used to the fact that you just hear nothing. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so uh, you know, but but 
usually when there are these kind of long sagas, you do get these kind of drips and drabs of, of, of reported information. And uh, again, as we were mentioning earlier, it could very well be that that was where the talk started and then they evolved from there it could be a point in that evolution it doesn't mean that the white Sox went we want these five guys or we're hanging up the phone right now or or the or, you know kind of thing so um it 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 is probably an indication though that they are shooting high uh, that they are that they're aiming for a couple of at least the best prospects in baseball in return for Dylan Cease. Um, you know, there's a reason White Sox fans are so uh, gung-ho over this happening with the Orioles because the Orioles have all these tremendously uh, highly rated prospects. But again, pitching. Look for the pitching. And so if the White Sox have identified a team that has interest and has two of the best pitching prospects in baseball – well, that makes a little bit of sense. But if the Reds themselves want to hold on to those pitchers, then and their their surplus or their areas of uh, of strength, as you were alluding to earlier, is the position player side of things, then maybe it's not the greatest match in the world. So uh, I do think that you should be looking at pitching because I think that's what the White Sox not only want but need. Uh, we heard comments from Chris uh, Getz at the GM meetings in November saying any move is going to have to address the, the, the short and long-term health of the rotation. So – I think pitching is very much still the priority, even though they went out and they got Soroka and Schuster in the Braves trade. They went out and they signed Eric Fetty. I still think that pitching long term, you can never have enough pitching candidates. You know, if we go back to the early days of the Rick Hahn rebuilding project, we talked about a lot of guys who might end up in that rotation who didn't end up reaching the major leagues. Right. So there, it, it, there's a lot of ways in which that can evolve and to have the biggest amount of it as you can is probably very much on the White Sox radar, particularly when it comes to people who are a little bit closer to Major League ready than, let's say, the guys that they got at the trade deadline this past summer. And I think the guy that you were alluding to, uh, the sixth prospect, prospect was Chase Petty. Yes. Um, so, uh, I mean, I don't know. It, I don't I don't feel like we have a good thermometer read of if, if the stove is getting hotter or not. It just seems like it's maybe circling. Just in general, like in baseball, cir- or maybe circling in, the block. I don't know. In, in in general, or in baseball, or just in res- regards to Dylan Cease. Maybe for Cease. I don't, I don't. I don't know. I mean, listen. We we heard we we heard the reports that the White Sox were waiting on on some of this other business to get done, and it just so happens that the business hasn't gotten done at a very fast pace this winter. It's. It's starting to, I guess you can say. I mean, the Dodgers are certainly doing a lot of stuff, uh, you know, but but a lot of those top pros, uh, top free agents, rather, are still out there. And, and then there's big trades to be made, too, of course. So, uh, you know, you brought up the Cubs. That's a team that's been expected to go out and make big moves after they uh, were close to reaching post the postseason last year. They haven't done a thing. Hey, Craig Council. Which is great, but... Not really what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, right. He, he doesn't play baseball anymore. Correct. He used Correct. to. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> we'll take a break here. Uh, yeah, I think maybe I, I would put, I think the window for trading cease will happen likely in February. I think I think this, the trade or the signing of Snell and Montgomery has to happen first well, to really sense. feel like the teams need to, you know, as Herb always says, you know, the team that's going to be left without a date it's going to you know right and and that and that would almost ki- and that would almost kind of speak to the the idea that like the, the wait till the trade deadline idea where the mm-hmm. 
the benefit of doing that is oh there's nobody that somebody can go sign if I'm a team that wants a starting pitcher I can't just go out and spend money on a starting pitcher I have to trade you my prospects for Dylan Cease at the trade deadline if I need a starting pitcher it in the offseason obviously you can go sign somebody but if Snell and Montgomery are gone is there any is there any comparable starting pitcher on the free agent market to Dylan Cease probably not you could argue that there currently isn't a comparable free agent starting pitcher to Dylan Cease but shrinking the alternatives making it so you have to do business with the White Sox the idea of getting that team to meet your price uh it might not prove to be a bad strategy and 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 listen I think that you know just kind of what the, the general topic here is that too much to ask? What is that asking price going to do to the likelihood that he gets traded kind of thing? Yeah, it looks steep. It looks high, but they're, they're the ones with Dylan Cease. And so they, they absolutely should be shooting high if they want to achieve some of the goals that they've got set out for themselves in terms of remaking this organization. Look out for further topics like, will Dylan Cease be on the White Sox for the entirety of 2024? They could hold on to him. I mean, maybe that would maybe that would benefit them. Uh, and plus, uh, maybe we'll even do uh, some... some uh, I'm, I'm picturing uh, Charlie Day and uh, It's Always Sunny at the uh, board looking for Carol. There is no right? Pepe Silvio. Uh, yeah. yeah, right. Uh, I, I I'll be I'll be trying to maybe figure out like well if Blake Snell signs with the Mets and then Jordan Montgomery goes to the Yankees that lead you know I got to figure out what maybe is the best possible landing spot White Sox wise to get the best prospect haul because you know maybe if you have the Reds and Orioles fighting with each other you get three top 100 prospects uh, anyways uh, let's move on want to let you know about our great sponsors over at Circa uh, Circa is a great way to maybe elevate your uh, Sunday if you're looking to you know maybe end the new year with some cash in your pocket uh, our friends over at Circa is the best place to be betting for uh I guess sports betting because uh, it's circus sports. Uh, but if you're looking for the Bears, uh, the Bears right now are uh, three point favorites. Oh, no, actually, you can get uh, Bears at uh, two and a half uh, over at Circa. And they're the only book offering two and a half. Why? Because Circa is the best sports book out there. Uh, they have real people running the Circa app. Uh, so if you have an issue, you won't deal with the chatbot. You will deal with the actual Circa team that is in Las Vegas running this app, running the sports book. They are the world's largest sports book and they have you in mind. They encourage you to download other apps and to check out the line and try to get the best line possible and like I just found, uh, you'll likely be finding the best lines at Circa, whether you want to uh, at least not lay three, uh, you can get the Bears at minus two and a half, or if you want to get the Falcons uh, at plus money uh, right now, uh, you can do that over at Circa. So download their app now over at circasports.com slash Illinois app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for some Circa events, watch parties and tailgates. If you were some you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537, text GMB833-234 or visit areyoureallywinning.com. And since they're from Vegas, they know how to throw a party. So uh, especially be on the lookout for Circa events and download their app too because they always uh, have uh, specials for uh, their customers. Also want to let you know about our friends over at Prize Picks. Uh, Prize Picks is uh, DFS. It's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America and they're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's you against the numbers. Instead of betting thousands of other players, including the pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in and you can you know match up the NFL, you can match up the NBA, you can match up the uh, the NHL. Uh, I think they call it the NHL. The hockeys? Right? Yeah, the hockeys. Yeah. Um, even soccer, I think. Uh, Man U is playing Okay. Man, uh, you are playing. 
man, you're addressing that to me, right? Man, comma, you are playing. I think. I don't know. I'm confused. Making grammar jokes. It's okay. Prize picks is the most fun I've had. Uh, and you can win uh, 25 times your money uh, this basketball season. Just like two or more players, pick more or less than the projected stats and place your entry. I like, you know, maybe I'm not giving out advice, but you look at the Bulls. They've been playing very well and they're going up against the Atlanta Hawks. And Kobe White's been on fire. Maybe you take him over on his threes. Maybe you look for the Bulls to shut down Trey Young. Maybe you take him under on his threes. I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, but it's really simple. You can make your picks and submit your, submit your entries in less than 60 seconds. Uh, so go to prizepicks.com CHGO and use code CHGO for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com CHGO and use code CHGO. Daily fantasy sports made easy with prize picks. All right, let's move on into the mailbag. Um where do we want to go? Uh, let's go to let's go to the uh, AJ first. Uh, it's baseball kid. Um, he's asking best ever baseball related Christmas gift, excluding the obvious answer, Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, so I was this was I, AJ asked this question after I told you my idea of that was related to Edwin Encarnacion. So this is kind of you know uh, kismet. Uh, but let's get into the best ever baseball related Christmas gift. Uh, and I do have a prop. And it's so small that it fits in my hand. Uh, this was given to me uh, just a, a few days ago on the 23rd uh, by my friends uh, Brad and Mary. And it has a nice little, ooh, it's upside down, 2005 White Sox World Series uh, logo there. I don't know if you can see it. I can, You yes, can confirm. Yeah. Uh, and if I press this button. Here's the 1-2 pitch to Palmero. A ground ball past Jinks up the middle of the infield. Uribe has it. He throws. Out! Out! A White Sox winner and a world championship! The White Sox have won the World Series, and they're mobbing each other on the field. Hell yeah. That goes on for a while. Yeah, it does. Usually yeah. when you get a little Fade thing up. that where you push a button, it's just like a little sound effect. Right. Like Sarah's I, always playing. I thought it would be, yeah. that's a White Sox winner, and that's it. But no, it's the full you the whole thing. Yeah. How about that? So shout that's out to fun. John Rooney. Yeah, right. Uh, so I just got this, and uh, I was thinking long and hard about like what the best ever gift was and it was in my pocket the whole time that's what so yours is from 2023 your best ever baseball christmas I, gift i mean yeah. i guess it's from 2005 but it's well that's i mean you received it then yeah how often are how often are you gonna play that little little chant oh i wasn't gonna i was just gonna play it once i actually honestly oh, no i'm thinking on your day-to-day like your personal life oh. like are you just gonna like you know on your way to work play it i think i'll wake up bed, to it play, are you up? gonna put your keys yeah. on there it's a keychain it is a keychain yeah. i don't know kind of like spinning it in my hand gotcha. like a little fidget toy yeah um, like my ring does already uh ooh. so i you know i gotta entertain myself somehow if this bores me i gotta do something else uh do you have a baseball related christmas gift that sticks out yeah uh, i used uh for a few years in a row my dad would get me the full sets of the tops from oh, a year nice. so i got i think i've got like the first one was like the year i was born so i've got the nine, the 1991 and then i think he got me like maybe the 89 and the 91 like so if you like this is fairly recently like while I was in like college or something like that but uh it was really cool to get the the full set because it comes in the box but it's out of order so I would spend Christmas day then taking them all out putting them in order and then you get to see all the cards so uh yeah I, I do uh uh I've gotten tons of cards various Christmases over the years I remember um when I was a little kid, basketball was my first love. So I got a bunch of, I got like a full box of NBA card packs, like nice. 30 packs in a box. And so I was just Christmas day all day, just opening packs up of cards. So that was fun. Were you a set list kid? Was I a what now? Set list kid. 
What does that mean? Like, were you marking like, oh, I got th- this one. Oh, the check. Oh, the, the, the little checklist, checklist card yeah, checklist, where it, it tells list. you all of them. Uh, I would use that for reference. I don't think I ever actually <laughs> would write on the card, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so that, that would be my baseball one was the, the full, the full tops box uh, set. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, I, I don't know. I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you have any, any baseball gifts, softball gifts? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan. So I've there been you gifted, um, you know, Cubs merch and stuff. And I always like that. Uh, some of my favorite ones are the CHO Cubs t-shirts that you can buy at all, wow. all CHO.com. She or, turned it into an ad read. CHOlocker.com. Yeah. Those are some of my favorites that I've received. Good job, Sarah. Um, <laughs> baseball gifts my whole life, though. Not so many, no. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, good, good, good ad read right there. Um, uh, let's go to the next question. We'll go to Shulo. Uh, oh, wait. No, actually, I'm, I'm steamrolling. Uh, so the Edwin Encarnacion thing. Uh, I wanted to pose this question to you because on uh, Christmas of 2019, mm-hmm. uh Jeff Passan reported, or I guess it was uh, Janssen Pujols, uh, reported that the White Sox and Edwin Encarnacion were in agreement to a one-year deal for $12 million with a club option for 2021 at $12 million. Uh, so if you can go back into time, throughout the rebuild, what's the one move that you would tweak? Or like, what, what's the one <laughs> oh, I guy see. would you, like, man, they really missed out. Or, wow, that was a really rough turn to go to Edwin Encarnacion, who was 39 years old. Well, I don't know. I think I don't think Encarnacion was their biggest problem. We'll put it right, that way. Yeah, no, that's um, for sure. But it was just, you know. That's, uh, that would take, but here's the thing. There's So there's so many moves that, that went into trying to set up what Rick Hahn was trying to set up that, like, you really would have to drill down to find the one that had the biggest impact, right? Because mm-hmm. you can point to somebody who really flopped, right? You can say, oh, you would never have get, gotten gone and gotten Nomar Mazzara, right? But like they traded just some minor leaguer for him that hasn't steal. You know what I mean? Like that guy wasn't going to be the guy that they should have kept, and you know what I mean. So like I don't know if that one move was like this huge screw up where there are others that were like, mm, man, had they not done that, they could have done this. You know, you would you would maybe point to. Yasmani Grandal as as that signing as being like they spent they spent all this money on this one guy who then ended up not playing very much for them because of injury, but he had maybe a lot more good times than some of the other guys that they brought in. So it's it's tough to say because you know there are obviously so many things that were done too where it seemed like a perfect move. It seemed like a move that would have been fine and then it just didn't work out. But it was no fault of the move if that you know it makes any sense like. You can point to, you can say, boy, Michael Kopech hasn't lived up to expectations. Yohan Mokata hasn't lived up to expectations. Man, that is, that has been crippling to the rebuild ever getting up off the ground. Um, But again, as we just said earlier in this very episode, when they made that move, it was like, they got these guys that are going to be cornerstones for them. What, what What a deal. So it's hard to think of one. I mean, I guess you would say missing out on Manny Machado, right? Because that's a guy who could have had an absolutely enormous impact for over many, many years. Do you, you know, if they just spend the same or if they spend the same or a little bit more than the Padres spent, do they have Manny Machado for 10 years? What is that? What is that? everything look like after that uh does he play the role of the guy who quote unquote buys in the john lester role if you will for the cubs when they did their rebuild and say all right everybody come on down uh you know or do you go back all the way and say trading fernando tatis jr for james shields 
a guy who again that move there's nothing there was nothing wrong with that move at the time the guy was 17 years old yeah but it turns out to be somebody who could maybe have a huge impact on your future over a very long period of time um is that where they went wrong if they just had one position player who they could count on while all these guys around them have been struggling with health and inconsistency does that change everything there's so much that we could spend we could you could do a whole show on that yeah absolutely <laughs> um I mean, hey we could fill some time uh but the machado one's interesting too because then what happens to Moncada if he's playing third Machado's playing third do they try yawn what they're trying now yawn Moncada at first base um and then because that would have been a signing in February uh 2019 uh how does that affect them drafting do they draft Andrew Vaughn that year right like th- there's so many ways that you, that could just unfold um like do they end up going after a pitcher um I mean no one really after him has been great oh wait Corbin Carroll um oh George Kirby all oh, right oh all right anyways uh the MLB draft is weird but I do think it's either Machado Harper Seager or Simeon like those are the ones that stick out just because again second base has been such well they, were, they weren't in on Seager were they no no, but I mean, they they were what coming off of. I don't a, think they were in on Simeon either. They should have been. I mean, they had him at one point, right? Way back um, when, but I know. But I, I mean, what they were coming off a division title when they came, they they uh, signed him, right? He was, I guess, he was a free agent in twenty twenty one. He signed with Tampa for a year, and then uh, Toronto. Uh, Toronto, yeah. right? Um, they're not going to sign someone to $18 million. Uh, but yeah, uh, Toronto for a year and then Texas for uh, th- that same offseason uh, to a seven-year deal. So, I mean, I don't know if they were in on him, but they probably should have been because, again, we know what the hole at second base has been like. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I you you wonder, though, who has the most impact. Obviously, Semyon's had some great years. He's had some MVP caliber years, uh, many <laughs> of, of recent vintage. But um you know, I, when you pose that question, it, it, you say, what move would you tweak? It's not necessarily, well, I would go back in time and tell them to go after somebody that they weren't going after. Like, I guess you could say that. It's a completely hypothetical uh, uh, thing that we're doing. But Right, but like, uh, why weren't they going after them? Was it just because of budgetary reasons? Like, perhaps. I mean, again, we, yeah. you know, they have, they've, we've gone and now looked at uh, the free agents. I think so they think they've given out the seventh lowest biggest free agent contract if that makes Among sense the teams yeah, so right. there are only six teams whose richest free agent con- or richest contract period is lower than theirs a's billy butler three years 30 million pirates francisco liriano three years 39 million zach efflin three years 40 million for the rays guardians edwin Encarnacion, uh three years 60 million reds uh castellanos and mustakas four years 64 million uh, and castellanos was a free agent too i mean that would have been a small de- deal less than Benintendi, but instead of Mazzara, you get at least a guy that can, you know, provide some power in the corner. Um, Royals, Alex Gordon, four years, 72 million in 2016. White Sox, Andrew Benintendi, five years, 75 million. And then the Braves, I won't give them that much of an out, uh, five years, 75.25 million uh, for BJ Upton, which is the same as Andrew Benintendi, I guess, if you want to count for the 10 years of inflation in between then, go <laughs> ahead. Uh, but yeah, uh, not extremely rich, but still not going over that hundred million. If they were, I mean, even if they were to sign and be more aggressive, that 2021 team maybe is better with one year Marcus Simeon at second base than Leary Garcia. Like, you know, I mean, again, like maybe again, just, just one move to make the 2021 team better, uh, just because that was their best shot to really make any noise. Um, 
Was 2020 or 2021 their best shot to make noise, you think? Uh, I guess it depends. I mean, it depends. You'd have to go back and look at what the other teams in baseball were doing at the time. It's specifically about the White Sox, they were better in 2021. Uh, in 2020, obviously, it was weird with the short number of games, but, I mean, the way they collapsed yeah. down the stretch there, they weren't looking. They did not go into the playoffs looking like a team to fear, um, whereas they won the AL Central pretty handily in, in, in 2021. And, um, you know, with how good their pitching staff was that year, I mean, certainly I was expecting the pitching to be much better. Even if I didn't think they were going to beat the Astros in a, in a series, I expected it not to be because – their starting pitching would fall apart. Their starting pitching was fantastic that during the regular season. Yeah, and I think you'd rather rather play the A's than the Astros, but um, whatever. Uh, all right, let's take a break uh, and let's move on and uh, let you know about our friends over at ComEd, uh, and then we'll continue with the mailbag. We got questions from uh, Shulo, and ooh, now I can't think of the other person. Uh, oh well, oh Sox mom, someone um, excellent. I know that. It, it, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we want to let you know about how it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. That's something we can all get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being for all of us who share it. Great point, Sean. Thank you. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help you make the changes that make sense. So what should business owners do? Great question, Sean. Thanks. They should go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you... Yes, you own a business. Do not wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. They're good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? Sean, it's great to learn that you got uh, ear surgery for Christmas and that was, you're now hearing at the at a superhuman level. It was like a fluid thing. It was like more of like a, a, a pressurized jet. Of water. I, I was thinking maybe they gave you like the daredevil treatment and now you have su- super hearing. Mm. Uh, but that's you obviously do because I did say comed.com slash clean. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and to a better future for generations to come. I have not read that mo- uh, comic book. I have You're unfamiliar with daredevil. I, I, I know of it. I know there's the movie uh, with Ben Affleck, right? Or Matt Damon, one of them. Uh, ben Affleck way yeah. back when. Yeah. And then there was the mini series on Netflix. Correct. Yeah. yeah. It was a Maxis series. Oh, it had three sorry. seasons. Oh, yeah. my bad. Yeah. Well, Dar- uh, you my know, bad. young to divert, Matt Murdock, when he's a young boy, pushes a man out of the way of getting hit by a truck that is coming. That's nice of him. And so he gets uh, involved in a in the vehicular situation in which a radioactive isotope splashes him in the eyes, causing him to lose his uh, sense of sight, but it enhances his other senses to superhuman levels. And he uses that to protect Hell's Kitchen in New York City as the costumed crime fighter Daredevil. I love the isotopes in their baseball team. Go Topes. <laughs> uh, thank you for that lesson. You're welcome. Do you want to, how are your pipes? Did you get any singing lessons for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've had, and I've had a tons, of, tons of time to take them. Since uh, yeah, last night. Right. Uh, hey, maybe it was an online course. Yeah. Uh, are you ready? Yes, I am. Three, two, one. Five, eight, eight, two, three hundred. Empire. Today. 
With Empire Today, you get shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a low price guarantee. Empire Today is the best place to get new flooring. So, of course, they have copycats, but Empire can't be beaten on their quality, service, and speed. That's why competitors will advertise low-quality products that Empire simply won't carry. Empire won't promise the lowest prices because anyone who does is putting flooring in your home that they wouldn't put in theirs. They keep shopping for floors simple with a curated product selection. They are giving you what you need and what your home needs uh, to look its best and to last the longest. Empire's philosophy is to help you find what you need and not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out of their selection is just as important as what they put in. Empire's selection is extreme. Uh, Empire's product team extremely combs, uh, exhaustively combs. I don't know how to read. Um, exhaustively combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. And you can check out those styles with their virtual floor designer, a great way to see how new floors will look in any space. Just snap a picture of your room and instantly see how new floors will transform it. So schedule a free home in est- schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use promo code CHGO. Restrictions apply. See empiretoday.com slash CHGO for details. Again, all listeners can receive a $350 off discount when you use promo code CHGO. Visit empiretoday.com slash CHGO for more details. Let's go to Shulo's question. And Shulo, who is a CHGO diehard, uh, and you could sign up at allchgo.com today. Uh, what moves does Getz need to make between now and spring training for you to consider this offseason a success? I think we've talked about this before. It's pitching. I don't think it needs to be, you know, they tr- need to trade Dylan, as we've talked about that. They could wait to the d- trade deadline. I'd be upset if they traded Luis Robert Jr. It does seem mostly go get starting pitchers. I mean, listen, it totally depends on what your expectation level is. I think the White Sox seem to be setting an expectation in which they are looking to at the earliest 2025. And so how do we how do we judge their offseason as a success? They have gotten better at the things they wanted to get better at. They're better at defense. They're better in the starting rotation where they now have some people as opposed to no people. Um, They are slightly better in certain areas. They are going to go get a right fielder. They are going to have to go get more bullpen help. Um, They are going to improve in the areas they needed to improve in. So sure, call it a success if you want, but none of it is really going to make them an AL Central contender in 2024. If you wanted to see that, then they need to do a whole heck of a lot more. They need to make a whole heck of a lot more moves um, because they are so far, in, in my opinion, from improving from where they were 101 losses to a team that could win the AL Central in 2024. Now, they don't appear to be trying to do that, so we should grade them on their scale, I guess. But if you want to grade them on another scale, grade them harshly because the moves that they've made so far, uh, you know, Nicky Lopez, Paul DeYoung, Max Stassi, Eric Fetty, Michael Soroka, uh, these are not moves that have made them made them capable of making some sort of big jump and they're at the moment they look like their their fortunes will only be better next year because there's really nowhere else to go but up yeah right I I think if he gets one more project that I could really be sold on I think Eric Fetty is a project that is exciting because I think there could be a possible good return uh, just with if he puts up an average war season they signed him to $15 million contract uh, we see how valuable pitching is I, I think someone would jump on that in the trade market uh, so I think it's a nice bet as we've referred to it yeah and, and, I'll, and I'll also say this if they are in fact looking to 2025 then they need to make some moves that are going to set them up 
for 2025. They just because just because 2025 might be when they're looking at being able to contend the soonest, might even be longer than that, who knows. But it doesn't mean that they have to wait until the 2024 season is over to start working on that. Mm. And and there are guys that they can go out and take low risk moves on veterans or go out and trade Dylan Cease and get yourself a bunch of young guys. I mean, they they have yet to do much in my opinion this offseason specifically that has vastly improved their chances for 2025 even too. Fetty is one of those things that could work out that way and the trade with the Braves had some minor league guys in there that could be part of that but some of these guys they've gotten you know where we've gone hey they did it they improved defensively like they're on one-year deals they're not going to be here in 2025 and it's like they if 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 you are aiming for 2025 or let's say 2026 you can start working on that now. I have no doubt that Chris Getz is, is trying to do that. Right. But that to answer that question, I would deem their mission to get better for those years down the road a success if they made a move to that showed me, hey, that guy's going to be here in 2020X. You know what I mean? And a Dylan Cease trade might be the most obvious way to do that, but it's not the only way to do that. Yeah, right. And I mean, again, Michael Kopech and Michael Soroka could possibly be projects like that, um, that, yeah. you know, could be a part of the 2025 team. Uh, but again, you're relying on Soroka, who's had so many injury issues, and obviously Kopech, who's been up and down and up and down and up and down. Um, yeah, I think, honestly, what was the question again from Shulo? Um, if you could flash it. Uh, gets, what moves does Getz need to make between now and spring training for you? To, I, I think go back and create a time machine, go back to 2021 and sign Marcus Simeon. I think I'm going to change my answer. Since 2019... Oh, the, the, to the, the first question we were talking about. No, 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 this question. For him to you make this offseason... You think Chris Getz needs to invent yes, the time machine? Chris Getz needs to no, make a time machine. He better get to work. He's not, he only has a couple months. I mean, but I mean, once you turn back the clock, you turn back the clock. You know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, but uh, Marcus Simeon, since 2019, 3,184 plate appearances... Freddie Freeman's the only other player with 3,000. Paul Goldschmidt, Pete Alonso are over uh, 2,900. Jose Abreu, Matt Olson are over 2,800. The only guy that is uh, not a first baseman besides Semyon is Devers, who is at 2,800 uh, plus. And then Soto is the only outfielder uh, at 2,800 plus. So, I mean, that's another skill, too. I mean, he's just always reliable. I mean, he's played in over 700 games in the past three seasons um 162 in all of them except 2022 and 2020 obviously uh where he was at 161 so that'd be nice to just know that marcus simeon's gonna be playing second base every day with you know all the cast of characters we've seen in chicago uh so yeah create a time machine go back in time there you go chris gets that's that's a successful offseason um hopefully they'd get to replay the the year two like hopefully it doesn't just create a time machine signs Marcus Simeon but it doesn't actually then he just gets transformed then he was just back. on a 101 loss White Sox team <laughs> yeah right I guess or yeah he was just signed and they just still go 93 yeah. and whatever and his like stats are blanked out mm-hmm. um whatever all right uh let's go to the next oh yeah let's go to the next question um and the final question from Sox mom 72 is it realistic to think that the Sox can turn this ship around with Pedro Grafal at the helm I think it's realistic. I don't know what the odds of it working are, but uh, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, the team, the players played terribly last year for the most part. They need to play better in this year and the coming years. And if they do that under Pedro Grifol, he will be the manager under which they turned it around. Um, you know, for, for all of the criticism that he takes, whether valid or invalid, it, it, it doesn't really matter 
he's not the guy swinging the bat. He's not the guy throwing the pitches. Um, a, your the 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 things that he might do that bother some folks or did last year we'll say that bothered some folks last year look a lot different if they win the division right he's still doing the same things but the players played so well that they won the division it's just so happened that he did those things I'm not saying it didn't contribute to them losing 101 games. He made plenty of uh, he gave plenty of explanations at the end of the year and since about how he wa- wished he could have done some things differently. But the players got to play better, and so can't. If you're asking me, can Pedro Grafol be the manager of a successful White Sox team? The answer is yes. He it it because. The, it will ma- mean that the players have played much better under him. He can do some things to try to make that happen a little easier. And I think he's done nothing but talk about what he learned last year and how he hopes to apply it to, uh, to this upcoming season. And, and we'll see how it goes. But I, I, I get the frustration with the manager of a team that loses 101 games. But if they go out and make a vast improvement in the win-loss column next year, people will have a much different opinion of him really no matter what actual changes he does make to himself. I right. Think. Yeah. I, I just watched uh, Moneyball, which I determined is a Christmas movie. I love that movie. Sorry. Right? I love that movie. I know. Great mm-hmm. movie. And it, I think it's a Christmas movie. I No. Well, I mean, I like it. Does it take place at Christmas? No, but I like it. That's, I was going to say. I was you like, like it, so it's a Christmas movie? Yeah. What does that even mean? Well, I, I was going to say, Vinny, there's not even like a two-minute Christmas scene in no, the movie. No, uh, so I don't. I mean, they don't play baseball during Christmas, so. No, they, they don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. Yeah, I was mostly kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> but you watch that movie. Who's rooting for Art Howe? You know? No one's like, oh, yeah. Art Howe. He's not the hero Let's of the go. piece. Right. Yeah. He is, he is just a foil. He is a foil in Billy Bean's quest to turn the uh, A's into a 100-win team without Giambi, Damon, and uh, Isernhausen or whoever the hell they're else are trying to replace. Um, but, you know, it's, it's about kicking off Jeremy Giambi. It's about trading Carlos Pena. It's about playing Hatterberg. It's about going after the numbers, right? It's about the players playing and performing and getting on base like the Oakland A's wanted them to. And, you know... That those guys just playing and Brad Pitt and whatever doing the job. I guess it wasn't Brad Pitt. Uh, you get my point, though. No one's rooting for Art Howe. No, not in that in situation. Moneyball. Pedro Grafal can be a background character in the White Sox journey. You know, I, I don't really think that Pedro Grafal is going to determine whether this ship gets turned around from a hundred loss team to a hundred win team. Yeah, and I mean, maybe one day he will. He only has one year of managing a major league team under his belt, and it went horribly. Right. Um, maybe one day he will have that tool set. If you're asking me right now, is Pedro Gafol going to be the guy that the White Sox win their next World Series under? I don't know. You know what I mean? I'll there, say no. There are there are a lot of there are very few managers out there who you can point to and say that guy's going to help that team win the World Series. Well, it's impossible. I mean, like no, no, no I don't mean like, pre- I don't mean from a prediction standpoint. I mean like right. that guy has the the what it takes he has the it factor to help that team win a world series i think you could argue bruce bochi is one of those guys he's going to be in the hall of fame yeah <laughs> you know what i mean I, I think the white Sox, or at least the o- owner of the white Sox, thought that tony larusa was one of those guys he is in the hall of fame he's the second winningest manager ever he has three world series rings but those kind of guys are few and far between. If you look at the 30 managers in baseball every year, how many guys are you going to say 
that guy is such a good manager that he is not going to just be a background character for for a team. He is going to do it all. And also, to your point, there are teams that win the World Series where you wouldn't necessarily look at the ma- manager and say, boy, he did it. You know what I mean? Like, so um, it can go so many different ways. The, the Pedro Grafold book is not – we have not made our final judgment on him yet. He's been here for one season, and his team – played terribly right well dave <laughs> dave roberts is seven and 12 in his last playoff uh his last whatever playoff games since 2021 he's seven and 12 and i think playoffs. everyone would think he's a very good manager right well yeah. i mean he's not getting fired nor should he i mean yeah, right <laughs> the, the andrew friedman looks at the team and says oh we need to go spend money on players <laughs> like you know i again it's he's kind of the carnival ride operator He's just pressing buttons, making sure the ride's not breaking down. He's tending to the team, right? I mean, I don't think Pedro Grafal can really change everything here. It has to start at the top, like we've always said. And, you know, I don't know if Chris gets this to the top enough for my liking, but it's the closest that we will probably get uh, for a while. So I, I think that's where it has to start. So it's less about Pedro. Um, it's more about Chris Getz and the team in the front office and what they are trying to implement throughout the White Sox organization from rookie ball to Major League Baseball. I'll put it, I'll put it this way. If Pedro Grafol was the only thing that needed to change in order for the White Sox to be successful, they sure wouldn't have lost 101 games last year. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah I, I think if Tony La Russa was managing this team, I think if you were managing this team, I think if I was managing this team, if Herb was managing this team, if Sarah was managing this team, that team would have lost 100 games no matter what. If it was Pedro Grafol, I If I was managing that team, how many games are there in a year? What is it? 162. That's lose, not, that doesn't speak well to your qualifications, one, Sarah. Yeah, exactly. I'd lose 161. <laughs> I have a feeling I'd win one wow. game in I, there, I'd give you more credit. I think they would probably win more just statistically. It Sarah, as long as, you're not like, as long as you're not like causing the team to have to forfeit every night, they're going right. to win more than... I would just... Honestly, I would just have the most positive outlook. I'd be like, you guys have fun. Go out there. Yeah. Like, enjoy yourself. They'll, they'll probably but, win yeah. 60 games. I think it's like mathematically mm, impossible 59. for teams to actually lose less than... <laughs> Like 120. What's the I mean, most? It hasn't happened yeah, before. Right. So I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm so, more I mean, about if, that originality, though. I'd like to be that person that could lose 161 games. Okay. Hey, Sarah more, wants more to take to over you. the White Sox and then throw the season. <laughs> <laughs> it's a valiant effort. Uh, all right. I think that's all the questions we had. So let's wrap up the show. Uh, that's Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. And you can read his work at allchgo.com. Uh, Sarah's going to flash the picture for you now. Uh, Sarah is our producer. Thank you, Sarah, for producing. Thanks. Uh, and again, you can read Vinny's uh, uh, article about what is the, uh, the the asking price for Dylan season, if it's too much, and if Cincinnati will truly be players or not. Uh, I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We'll be back tomorrow at 3.30 to talk more White Sox. See you then. Y'all silly like the mayor. 